Welcome to the Scales and Tails podcast, where we unveil the secrets to weight loss. I'm your host, Brianna Fia Keen, accredited practicing dietitian, mum of four, and foodie fanatic who is constantly hungry because I talk about food all day long. Wouldn't that make you hungry too? Join me as I delve into the essential pillars that shape your weight loss journey, including mindset and motivation, nutrition and healthy eating, exercise and fitness, effective weight loss strategies, behavior change and habits, sleep and stress, and nurturing a positive body image through self-care. Are you ready to embark on a transformative journey with me and my guests? I'm here to help you. Let's do this. Hello and welcome back to the Scales and Tales podcast. I'm joined by a lovely lady, Kelly, today who I have been working with for the last couple of months and I'm excited to share her story with you. She is a working mum like many of us and she's got a couple of different roles and she'll tell you all about them shortly. Um, But her weight loss journey has been particularly exciting um, and I'm so happy to share it with you. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we've been working together for a little while, four or five months, I think, and you've done particularly well, which is great to see. You know, there's nothing more exciting as a dietitian that I like to see than people who are doing well. And I guess doing well means so many things to people. We'll explore that shortly. But can you share with us a little bit about you and about what this year has looked like for you and kind of what's brought you to where you are now? Sure. So I'm 38, or almost I'll be 38 next week. I work in commercial property, um, but I also have a part-time role in group fitness. Um, So I love to train. I love to train people, um, mainly in that group fitness space. This year, I suppose my health was not where I wanted it to be. Yes, there was weight that was part of that, but it was also just how I was generally feeling. I was tired all the time. Um, Yes, my weight was too heavy and it didn't matter what I ate or didn't eat or how much I trained or how much I didn't train. Nothing was shifting. Um, There was absolutely no change in what I do. You might have seen a drop of half a kilo on the scales, even if I was smashing myself at the gym. And the way that I was so tired, yes, I'm a mum. I've got two young boys, five and seven. The general standard response from my GP was, yeah, you're tired because you're a mum. Or you're tired and you're carrying weight because you are a woman of a certain age and this is just a thing that happens to you. Whereas for me, I, A, didn't like the answer, uh, as I don't think anybody does, but I couldn't see how I'd had success in the past through my own form of diet and exercise and yet I was doing the same things and not getting any results whatsoever. You know, I started looking into alternatives. Um, yes, there was the diet path. There was there's every magic pill out there on the market that promises that you're going to lose weight. So you tried some of those, um, tried increasing my exercise, tried decreasing what I was eating because that's what we've been told forever, that it's about eating at a deficit. Um And yet I was still tired and I was still carrying too much weight. And ultimately, I couldn't train at the level that I wanted to be able to train at. I looked into a gastric procedure and was quite far advanced in my conversations with them about what was going to happen to the point that I'd had all of the blood tests done. 
I had met with um, yourself as a dietitian. Yeah. Um, it was really just about finding a the, date. All of the medical team, you know, it yep. was literally down to the wire. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I met with you and, and obviously a medical procedure, as, as much as I was looking at a temporary gastric procedure as opposed to the more permanent, it was still a scary prospect to me that this was a really drastic thing that I was going to be doing and I got cold feet. Um, I'd spoken to you. I'd never spoken to a dietitian. I've been heavy in my history. Um, I was not a heavy person when I was younger. I was a healthy weight for all of my teen years and then ballooned in my uh, late teens, early 20s when I finished school. I put on about 30 kilos in two years. I, for, for so many reasons, you know, I was miserable. I don't think I was depressed, but I was miserable. I was lonely. I missed my family. I missed my friends. I was doing shift work and I ate all of my feelings <laughs> all of the time. So, you know, I'd, I'd been heavy and then I'd found group fitness. And that I think was the shift for me in my life that I found a program by accident. I literally accidentally walked into the wrong class in the gym and fell in love with this program, Body Combat, that was a massive shift for me. And I, I dropped 30 kilos in 12 months purely through diet and exercise. And so when I got to this point in my life, I thought, well, I've done this before. Um, I know what to do, but my body was not the same at 38 as it was at 24. And so speaking to you, what that would have been in April this year, I thought, oh, maybe there's another option. Before we go down this drastic path, yeah. maybe another option um, yeah. and that I suppose has brought us to where we are now um, so I started um, I think my first week on the program with you was June I'm gonna say uh, late May early June I think it was yeah. yep um, and now we're what two and a half months into it and I'm down 14 kilos which is fantastic. But what is, other than the scales, how has that weight loss changed the way you feel, changed the way mm. you define health? Mm. So I think one of the biggest things that I've realised is that as a fitness professional, I suppose you'd say, um, I've always put so much more emphasis on movement of your body uh, than I have on just what you eat. Um, you know, we talk about calories um, and calorie counting and running to a deficit and doing all of that. But what I've seen through the last few months is that the calories is not so much the important thing. It's about the quality of the calories that go into your body. That 100%. Yeah. And, and I think when I first saw you back in April, you were at that point where you were like, I need to eat less, I need to eat less, I need to eat less to eat more. And so when I created a meal plan for you, there was so much more food on there compared to what you were eating. Yep, very Which much. Which just right. goes to show that we we need to get that metabolism working. We need to nourish our bodies to feel the best that it can for it to work the best that it can. And I think all of those things, right, that I I run myself down to eating so little um, and then snacking on the wrong things at the wrong times and always being hungry and always being tired. And when you're tired, you eat badly and you make bad food choices. And I Long would, gaps between meals, eating on the run. Yeah, and I was of this mindset that if you are on a diet, you should be hungry because this is what I'd always been told. And the one thing that I've experienced more than anything with working with you and with this program is that I'm not hungry. 
don't get me wrong, at mealtimes, I'm ready to eat <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm very ready to eat, but I am much more conscious of what I'm putting in my mouth and making sure that, okay, what do I have for the rest of the afternoon? Is it a day that I'm training, in which case I need to really think about the foods that I'm eating, um, what time I'm eating those things to make sure that I get through to the next meal, but also that I have the energy that I need to be able to lead my classes. Yeah. Uh, you're, not, you're not very motivating if you stand up there huffing and puffing and unable to do it. And it's not about your size there. It's about how much energy do you have? Yeah. And, you know, as I say, if you were driving to Brisbane or Sydney or wherever, you would put petrol in the car before you left. Hmm. Our bodies are no different. If we are needing our bodies to perform in any way, whether it's we're at work and using our brain, whether it's at the gym, whether it's running around five-year-old toddlers and et cetera, hmm. we need to put the fuel in our system, not at the end of the day, but before hmm. we're doing those activities. Yeah. And a little bit of that has been trial and error for me that, you know, I've looked at some days that I train and I get a little bit lightheaded and you and I have talked about that and I need a little bit more salt in my diet on those days. So I think looking at this and going, okay, there is health and fitness, which is a huge thing for me, um, but it is the quality of the food that I'm eating and then it provides me with, as you say, the fuel I need to be able to do what I need to do, be it mm. chasing after my two kids, be it teaching a class, working long days um, and getting me through to those meals so that I eat properly. And the knock-on effect to that, the quality of my sleep is so much better. Um, yeah. I don't wake up in the morning still exhausted. I went back to my GP for an unrelated thing and he looked at me and he said, so how is that program working with that dietitian? Because he was adamant that it would not work. Yeah. I remember when you saw him initially and I remember the words that he said. Yeah. Yeah, come back and see me when it doesn't work. I think so what was his response when, you know, he saw he saw the new you that was 14 kilos lighter, sleeping not, better, had more energy? Not a great deal. And I think that was disappointing because with people that I've spoken to, and, you know, I, I'm at a gym so people see me regularly um, and people have come and asked me what I'm doing because I've lost weight, I've got more energy, I'm, I'm bouncing off the walls. Around, and yeah. it's me, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And I, I've said to many people, this will change your life. Go and talk to someone. And it's interesting, two things. A, the confidence that people get from feeling better and healthier and how this has a knock-on effect in terms of all aspects of their life. So mm -hmm. what I generally hear is that relationships improve because they're more confident. They have more confidence to go for job opportunities that they never would have. Therefore, their financial health improves. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's not just about the numbers on the scales. No, it's how you feel in your skin, right? Yeah. And, and I say this to people quite often in what I do, that it's not about whether you are happy with your number versus whether somebody else thinks that's a good number or not. How do you feel in your skin? Are you uncomfortable? Do you think that you're carrying too much around your middle? Are you too tired? Are you unable to do the things that you want to do? Yeah, and that number can be a moving target as well. Yeah. There's not just one set number that's going to be the number for the rest of your life. No. Um, and, you know, I'm very aware that um, like I'm where I'm sitting now, I am lighter than I was when I fell pregnant with my first child. Mm -hmm. Now, that is not where I expected to get to. It was not even my goal because I am very aware that I've had two kids and my body has changed. Mm -hmm. I've aged, my body has changed, and 
you know, before kids, I would teach and train anywhere between seven and ten times a week. Yeah, um, life's very different when there's <laughs> multiple competing yeah. priorities. I do not have that flexibility of time anymore, Brenna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I got double the amount of kids. I get it. <laughs> And so the other part of uh, what you were just saying there is the fact that dietitians are often the last people to be thought of and referred to when people are wanting significant weight loss, weight loss that's going to improve medical markers, weight loss that's going to help with a lot of those other health, both intrinsic and extrinsic factors. Mm-hmm. And so why do you think, you know, I'd love to hear your take on why you think dietitians are the last to be thought of, because you've obviously looked at weight loss and worked through a number of things over the last couple of years to get to that point where, you know, we did meet. Why was a dietitian not something that you thought of or, and why do you think a, a, your doctor had that reaction? I think, um, for me, I was classified in the overweight category, but I was not classified in the obese category. And I think that the response you get from medical people and from just your general community around you is different depending on where you sort of sit on that scale. Mm-hmm. And so so, so there the attitudes, you're not quite big enough to get help. That's right. That's right. This thought that, oh, you know, if you complain about your weight when you are not seen to be very obese, then you're being vain or you're not you're not fat enough, I suppose, is the thing that people would say. And I, I don't agree with it because, as I said before, it's about are you comfortable in your skin? Yeah. Um, and if you're not and if you're, the other aspects of your health are suffering, to me the first place that you go is the internet. <laughs> and the internet doesn't direct you to a dietitian it directs you to magic pills that say that, here, take these. Quick fixes. Yeah, and this will change your life and you'll lose this many kilos. And it's all fake. And for me, I knew that that was not necessarily the solution, even though I tried a couple. You start going to the gym. And as a person who is trained in group fitness, group fitness trainers are not trained in nutrition. So, you know, we can tell you all the good protein supplements that we take, but that really is not tailored to what it is you're looking for. So the next place that you go is a GP. And again, as I said, I went to the, to the GP many times, you know, obviously after having children, you're at the doctor quite often. You go in for your annual checkups and um, as a woman, you go in for your five-year pap smears and do all those health checks and they weigh you and they say, oh, according to the BMI, you are overweight. You need to lose some weight. Yeah, that's about all that they say. They don't. And it's interesting because if you had high glucose levels, or if you had high blood pressure, or high cholesterol, they'd be offering you solutions. Yeah, and I didn't have any of those things. My heart was fine. I have low blood pressure, so not a problem from that side. All my glucose is fine. And even when I went in to get a blood test, I wanted a thyroid panel. I wanted an iron test. The first response that I got was, "You don't need that." I said, but something's wrong. There is something wrong and I don't know what it is and you won't tell me, so I'm going to go get a blood test and see if that tells me. Um, But there was, so if you go to the GP and they don't direct you to a dietitian, there's no one else who's really going to. Yeah. Unless you go to a weight management um, group specifically, which is exactly what I had done, then they're not going to, until you get to that stage, which in many cases if you had been directed to a dietitian when you first started this journey, mm-hmm. 
things would be a lot easier. Music to my ears. I definitely think there's a lot as a profession that needs to be done in terms of awareness around, you know, how beneficial it can be. And speaking, like, I thought I could do this myself, you know, because when I was in my 20s, I did. Um, And, you know, I think also we have learnt a lot um, in comparison to what our parents would have been doing, which was all about calorie counting and deficits. And, you know, now we talk about reverse dieting and increasing the amount of calories so that our metabolism is increasing. And, you know, so much has changed. Things that we heard as kids, and I know for me, a lot of my weight issues and I, I suppose the the sensitivity that I carry around it came from my mum. My mum was a very slim woman um, her whole life and I would hear her. She did nothing wrong, you know, I'm I'm certainly not blaming her. But when I was young, I would hear her say, I can't eat that because it'll make me fat. Yeah, and it's interesting because I actually pulled my mum up around something that she said along similar lines to my kids the other day. We met for a, a hot chocolate after dinner one night she's like oh I can't I'll get fat and I'm mm. like hang on <laughs> you're telling this yeah. to five and seven year olds yeah. that if they have a hot chocolate and you know maybe we share a muffin or something which is what we did that they're gonna get fat mm. yeah and, and I pulled her up on it and she's like oh okay <laughs> but it's and that generation and how we've learned differently yeah and so I think for me as a mum, you know my kids see me go to the gym all the time and certainly in lockdown um, they would see me exercising every day. It was my sanity, was was that little bit of time to myself. And my seven-year-old particularly will say to me, why do you go to the gym, mum? And he has never heard me say I go to the gym to lose weight. He hears yeah. me say because it makes me happy, it makes me feel good, it keeps me strong and healthy. And, you know, this is what I I want to be able to run around after them. When one of them says to me, hey, mum, I'll race you to the car, I want to be able to do that. Because the time will come very quickly where they won't want me around and people (laughs) won't race me and they won't want to do all these things with me. So I want to be able to be there and be present and active for them. And then obviously there's the long-term health of that, um, that the healthier we are, then hopefully the longer we are around for our kids. um, Exactly. The better better role modelling we do um, for them. And I know that, you know, as a mum, you do lots of activities with the kids we don't always have the structure. We've got school holidays and, you know, things. There's lots of kids' parties and celebrations and things like that. How has your role as a mum influenced your choices and what you do in those situations while you're, you've been on this health journey? I know you've been into the city lots and, you know, you, you haven't wanted to miss out on experiences with them and still share food with them. So I'm um, very aware of my foibles as a human and that um, I have to go all in for a period of time because otherwise if I'm half in and half out, it's too easy to fall off the wagon. So when I first started working with you, I was incredibly strict. Um, I did not eat anything that was not on that plan for four weeks. Um, I was so strict because I knew for me personally that's what I needed to do. Once I started seeing the results of what was happening, both in my physical and mental health, um, then I was able to be a little bit more free, I suppose you'd say. that Flexible, I think, is the word we use. Yes, that's exactly right. So, uh, But it was all about prep. 
So for me, it was if I'm going to a kid's party and it's over lunchtime and I know that it's going to be mainly kids' food, party pies and all that stuff, which I don't actually like anyway, um, then I would eat before I went so that, again, I had prepped. In the school holidays, we did a day in at the city. Um, Well, I didn't want to be buying food every five seconds for the kids, so we all took our lunch together. Um, So that was we had a picnic at Barangaroos. So, you know, it was about doing things like that and, and thinking about the week that I have ahead um, I food prep on a Sunday. Every week I food prep. I work in the city a couple of days a week, so my yeah. travel is an hour and a bit each way. Yeah. Uh, so commuting means that you're on the back foot when you get home and your kids were hungry an hour ago. And so it's really easy to grab something quick and convenient that's not necessarily as nutrient-dense as we want. And so meal prepping's really helped you to have those good choices available to you when you do get home, when you're tired, when you've been in the office all day, when you've got off the train and the kids are hounding you. But even just time, Brianna, like honestly, the amount of time that I save by spending, like I've gotten better at food prepping. It took me a long time the first couple of weeks, but now it's like 90 minutes. On a Sunday morning, I get up, I prep all my food, it's all in containers. And when I get home on whatever night of the week I just grab the container I have to do the fresh stuff but the meat is portioned out it just needs to be cooked and so the time that I save defrosting the meat deciding what it is we're going to eat even just that mental load of making a decision it's already I just have to grab it and cook it and so that side of things has been amazing and is one of the biggest things that I will take forward is that it just saves me so much time um, and makes me make good food choices when I'm in that right frame of mind and I prep for the week. I see what activities we have and, you know, we've got a lot of birthdays coming up. So I know that there will be times that I'm not eating what's on the program, but it's one meal. It's not, it, I haven't railroaded my entire week or my whole life. It's one yeah. meal. And we've talked about that a lot in terms of, you know, nine, or nine out of 10 rule, nine times out of 10, we're on track doing the right thing. Just yeah. because we celebrate you know, a kid's birthday and have some cake with them, we're not derailing the whole six months' worth of work that you've done. And to me, sitting down and having that piece of birthday cake with our kids is sending them a really important message about balance. Yeah, 100%. They should be be having it. You know, my son wants to have burgers for his birthday next week, so I will be sitting and having a burger with my son. Yep, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. We we should be have, able to have this flexible approach where, yes, nine out of ten times we're on track, we're choosing those foods that are really nutrient-dense. doesn't mean we can't do those other things, particularly because food has so much more of a relationship with us that's just nourishing, okay? So, you know, it's connection across the table, it's a family, it's celebrations um, and the rest of it. Mm. Yeah, and I think my kids see when we talk about foods, we talk about sometimes food and all the times food. No food is bad. There is just yeah. food that you shouldn't be eating all the time. Yeah, um, exactly. Setting up those healthy relationships with food um, and enjoying the good food, right? My kids love fruit, absolutely love fruit. We'll eat fruit every day of the week. Don't get me wrong, if I put a chocolate bar in front of them, they'd choose that too. But they enjoy eating fruit. They enjoy eating salad and they see that that's what I eat by choice. Uh, not me sitting there complaining, going, oh, God, another salad. I enjoy yeah. eating food. Yeah, and you've always said, you know, I just love salads. That's yeah. my preference. Yeah. And so we've just jazzed them up and, and made sure yeah. they're fit throughout the day with the rest of the nutrients that you need. Yep, yeah, exactly. 
So it's it's good. And the kids know that I food prep and they will come and hand me the containers and they know that they're all in the fridge. They'll bring them out to me for dinner. So it's just become part of our family's Getting routine. involved in it all. Yeah, yeah. And, and that role modelling is going to serve them well into their adult life. Mm. Yeah. So we spoke a little bit before about your role as a fitness class instructor um, and how your weight has influenced that. What are some of the uh, things that you've learned along the way in terms of your mindset, um, in terms of what you, the plan you've been following? So finding the gym was a significant turning point in my life. Um, so anybody who knows me will know that body combat is my ultimate favorite thing that I've ever found. And like I said, I found it by accident and it was a program that I love. So I went from doing no exercise to exercising at least once every day. And it was not because anybody forced me to do it. It was because I found something that I truly loved and made me feel so good. And the results were wonderful, you know, combined with dolphins. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was wonderful. What I struggled with at the back end of last year was that while I was able to participate and teach a class, it wasn't to the level that I expected from myself because I was so tired. And if you are jumping in the air and you are carrying 15 or 20 kilos more than you should, then it has an impact, right? No matter how fit you are, it has an impact. You are landing so much heavier and more impact on your joints, joints, yep. um, on, on your mobility, and it it is hard. Um, and it is it was harder than I wanted it to be. Um, you then do what we all have done and strip away the amount of food that you eat. And what immediately happens is that you still don't have enough energy. You still can't do these jumps that you want to do. And this time it's not so much because of the impact when you land, it's that you don't have enough energy to do it. You've cut away so much food and your body is going, you've given me no fuel. I cannot yeah. do what it is that you're, you're asking. You're losing for. muscle mass. You, you just, And it was just a circular process and a catch-22 that you could never really get on top of. Now, one of the big things that you did with me was increase my amount of protein, um, huge, hugely increase my amount of protein, yeah. and I was not sold. Um, <laughs> I think I think in general I just increased everything that you were eating. You did, but it, I think the protein particularly is what has kept me full yeah. and given me so much energy. So when I started working with you, I was we started me on an iron supplement because my iron was a little bit low when we started working, and then obviously looking at all of the quality of foods that I was having. The iron supplement, I think, did help because my iron was low and then you take a supplement, it's not anymore. So that no doubt helped. But we've taken me off that now and my energy levels are still good. I'm still eating the same foods. Um, like I said, if I know that I'm going to teach in the afternoon, I have yogurt and fruit as a snack beforehand. If I'm feeling a little bit hungrier than usual, I'll throw a little bit of muesli on top of it. Because I know that I'm going to burn it anyway. You need and those carbohydrates for the yeah. energy for your teaching. Yeah, and, and I'll the throw protein for the recovery afterwards. And then I'll throw some salt, a tiny pinch of salt into my water so that my blood pressure is not so low. So I think it's really about understanding exactly what I do to my body at the gym because what I teach is not a gentle form of exercise. Um, it is a high-intensity program. So what challenges am I actually putting in front of my body and what am I giving my body 
to enable it to meet my expectations because I don't expect to walk in there and choose low options. And certainly as a as the person leading the class, there's an expectation that I will be motivating. And it is difficult to be motivating when you are exhausted. Right? 100%. People will vibe off your energy. Very much so. Um, and we the same way that I vibe off theirs, but you have to be able to lead. And if you are so exhausted, it, it shows, right? So no, no amount of pre-workout or any of these other things that we take will change the fact that your body just does not have the fuel in it to deliver what you're asking of it. So that is one of the big things that I've realized. And for the first time in my life, I adjusted my food and went, as what some people would say, on a diet. And yet nothing about my level of performance in the gym had changed. Nothing changed. And so now would you say it's a diet per se or would you say it's more uh, we've adopted a different way of eating that's more sustainable yep. long-term that fits in with what we need? That's right. It's not a diet at all um, because this is now just how I eat. Right? There's, and, there's... and is it just you in the house that eat that way? My kids don't eat the same food as me. They're a bit young to be eating the same food. But in saying that, if you look at the breakup of my dinners, aside from the fact that they would have some carbohydrates with theirs, and I often don't, depending on what I've eaten over the course of the day, but other than that, they're having meat and some form of salad, vegetables, dairy. Yeah, the breakdown yep. is very much the same. It's just exactly. how they eat. Um, yep. My husband eats the same as me. Exactly. Um, so we eat the same foods. I don't want to be cooking three meals. Two is enough. Um, <laughs> but it's about looking at what is in those things. So making sure that the kids they have something a bit more deconstructed. Yeah, and that but still meets their nutritional needs as well. So they know that they can't have mac and cheese and mashed potato and sausage on bread. There has to be some breakdown of those things. You can have one of those and then the rest of it needs to be some form of salad or vegetable. Yeah. Um, and because they see that that's what I eat um, and what their dad eats, it's not that hard to be convincing them. Exactly. It's that role modeling that's coming back at them. Yeah. You know, it's it's what is normally in our house. We we have our salads and we have our vegetables with our meals. Yep. And we always have some fruit and we always have some yogurt. So things like that that they see. And if you're hungry, go and grab an apple. Go and grab a banana. The first thing that you grab and see, I suppose that was a an interesting thing to consider that for my kids, it has always been go and grab an apple, go and grab a banana. It's never been go and grab chips or a biscuit. Yep. And yet for me, as awful as I was feeling, I would go and grab a biscuit. Yeah. So I was preaching one thing and I was doing something very different. The power of nutrition, hey? Mm -hmm. Very much so. So what does the future look like for you? Um, I've got two kilos to go until I am at the my goal weight. I think that will be a bit slower than every, those last few kilos are, are always a bit slower to come off. The closer um, you get to your desired weight, a healthier weight, a lower weight, the harder it is, the slower it is, slower it is. And I'm okay with that because I, what I'm doing is not overly difficult. It takes preparation and, and those first few weeks were a little bit more time consuming, but it's not overly difficult. You've just got to get in the mindset that this is a big routine. Yeah. So I will keep meal planning. I will keep food prepping for the week because it's so easy. There are things that I will continue that, you know, might be boring, but I have my yogurt and my fruit in the afternoon as a snack because I can eat it anywhere. 
So there's it's convenient, that- it's portable. Oh, easy. I can be sitting on the train, I can grab it, I can be in between meetings, I can grab it, um, in the car, whatever, I can do all of those things. I have breakfast now every morning, which I didn't do. Yeah. Um, and it is it is a protein shake with some fruit in it. So, you know, it's not as I'm sitting down to cook a breakfast because I don't have yeah. time for that. But I get nutrition into my body, so I'm not snacking in the morning. So like those sorts of things will continue because they're they're convenient. Yeah. Um, once, you know, and the other reason why these last couple of kilos will take a little longer is I'm not as strict on the program now as what I was at the start. Yeah, so moving into more of a maintenance phase where we yeah. have a little bit more liberalisation, we have a little bit more flexibility yeah. um, with our food intake. And, but also recognising, and you and I spoke about this, that I'd been away with my family for the weekend and we had I had not stuck with the program at all. And I came back and there was like a kilo and a half more on the scales and I was horrified and was so bothered by it. And I was like, it's taken time to come down. And you said, but think about what you ate over that time. The salt content was higher, so your body was going to be holding on to the water. So me looking at the scales after a weekend where I've been able to enjoy myself with my family and not punish myself, Yeah. well, now you shouldn't eat for the next two days. No, no, no. You just go back to your normal food program. doing what you're doing, knowing you're doing the right thing, knowing that you're nourishing your body, you're being active, you're moving, you're drinking enough, and your body will readjust. Yeah, and it and the thing is, it as much as you said it and you knew it would, um, I then watched the scales and it did. Um, and so, you know, the things that you're hearing and you're being told when you then see them in reality makes it much easier to stick with things. and. The fact that I've never been hungry means that it's not hard to keep doing this. If you're starving all the time, no one wants to keep doing that. You're moody, the kids feed off that, your work suffers. Everything's done and you suffer because you don't want to be cranky like that all the time. So, you know, those sorts of things will be very easy to continue with and just know that you've got to be more active in your choices about what you eat. If you're going out for dinner, have a think about what is on that menu. And if it is a special occasion and you want to have dessert, have dessert. Yeah, exactly. And I I love them as final words. (laughs) If you want to have dessert, have dessert. (laughs) I went to a patisserie many years ago and their slogan is life's short, eat dessert first. Yes, well, I'm definitely the dietitian that is the first to bring cake to a party. I've just been to the shops <laughs> to get cake for our party tonight, my mum's birthday, um, yep. and I will 100% look at dessert before I look at any other main on the menu. <laughs> We're only human. Uh, and someone that enjoys food. Yep. You know, I don't think food should be feared. It shouldn't be a, something that we restrict and restrict and restrict. There's room for all of the foods, the soul foods, the healthy foods. You know, and there's no such thing as good or bad food. They just fit at different times and different portions in our life. Yep, yep. And that is all achievable. Very much. So thank you for sharing your story, what it's like to be a working mum, what it's like to be a group fitness instructor, what it's like and and where you were at at the start of the year, how you've worked through that to achieve that weight loss that you have and all of the other, you know, benefits and outcomes that you've had in terms of the energy, the confidence, the sleep, the fatigue, 
I've loved hearing how that has progressed and, you know, I'm really excited to see you hit those targets that you want but find that food freedom and flexibility so you've got a nice little routine to maintain that weight loss that you have lost over the last couple of months but be that role model for your children, you know, your husband's adopting your eating behaviours as well. So, you know, being that role model within your community of what health actually looks like. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. That's all I have for you today. Another episode done and dusted here at Scales and Tails, unveiling the secret of weight loss podcast. I hope you found valuable insights and practical tips to support your weight loss journey. Remember, sustainable change takes time. So be patient and kind to yourself. I'd love for you to head to my website at yourfamiliesnutritionist.com.au. I so appreciate you being here, so thank you. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please reach out to me. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, then I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review so that others can find the podcast and have the opportunity to achieve something they've thought was impossible up until now. Between now and then, when I'm next in your ears, I hope you find the joy in the food you eat and get to share it with those you love, including yourself.